So good to be with you here this morning and and allow my brother and his wife to have some well-deserved vacation. Amen? Um, I just want to take a moment and honor my parents somewhere over there. <laughs> we, we worked with them, uh, as my brother said, for many years, my husband and I, and of course... All my life, they have been my wonderful parents, and so honored to have them as my parents. Um, just a little bit of family news. If you don't know, I have two kids. They are in their late 20s, but I get to be a grandma soon. My daughter is expecting her first child at the end of October, and you don't know how excited I am. I am thrilled. I keep, she, she lives in Florida, so I don't get to see her a lot, but she was here last week, and I was touching that belly all the time. Uh, but I'm excited to share the word of God with you today, and before we do, I'm just going to pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this wonderful time of worship that we had an opportunity to open our hearts to you and to let go of stuff going on in life and just focus on you. You're such a good God. You're such an amazing God. And we're so honored to worship you and to magnify you. And Father, we thank you that today, just this morning, you have something for us. You have something specific to speak into our lives and each individual person in this room, Father, you have a word for them, an encouragement for them. You have something specific to the needs that they're dealing with in their life. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask you to speak beyond the words that I say and speak to people's hearts and minister to their lives. And Father, we just thank you for you being our Savior and our Lord, and so we honor you today, and we pray it all in Jesus' name, amen. So today, I'm going to share with you a word about, um, give you some examples about the interruptions that we have in our lives, and all of us have, um, it's a good description for all of us that as we go through life, there are interruptions that happen whether they're deliberate or just something that happens to us and you know we all start out life and we kind of plan this yellow brick road this road that you know in our 20s we plan it all out and we're excited for our future and we don't plan into that life interruptions we're not thinking about it but as we do go through life we will see just things that come up in our life. And, you know, oftentimes, you know, we want to um, take the reins of our own life. And if things aren't happening the way we want, we just want to, we want to take the reins of our life and lead our own life. But God has a plan. God has a purpose to see us through every interruption, everything that we go through. So there's different interruptions. There's Possibly looming retirement with diminishing nest egg in a crumbling economy. There's another year of singleness when we long for marriage. Or there's a burst of success in our business that seems far beyond our capability 
of managing. There's a redirection in a career causing us to feel uh, abandoned or having to abandon a lucrative position. And then there may be a new baby that brings an interruption that, you know, we think, ah, we can handle. And then the baby comes along and it's just, it's not a bad interruption, but it's an interruption in the plan that we had, that little thing that's laid out perfectly. And so we have to navigate these interruptions. So interruptions come in all shapes, sizes, colors, good and bad. Sometimes they shock us. Sometimes they shake us. Sometimes they take our breath away, leaving us feeling inadequate or outmatched. And sometimes we wonder, does God really even care about us? Is he aware of little old me? Does he even know what's going on with me? In Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, sorry, I didn't give it to you guys, but actually I'm going to open it up here. Isaiah 55, verse 8, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are your ways higher so are your ways higher, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So in that scripture, God doesn't say he's going to bring his thoughts down to our thoughts. He invites us higher. He invites our thoughts higher. Now Abraham, we're going to look at him a little bit this morning. And Abraham knows a lot about life's interruptions and he got, and we're going to look at a first, just a few highlights of in, some interruptions that happened with him. Um, Gen, in Genesis 15, God declares his name is actually Abram. In Genesis 15, he declares to Abram that to look into the heavens, look at the stars, and they're so numerous, that's how many offspring you shall have. And then Genesis chapter 16, Abram is 68 years old and Sarah hasn't seen, she's been unable to conceive and she takes things into her own hands and she gets her servant to sleep with her husband to produce a child. And when she does, she's not very happy about it. And then in Genesis 17, Would you call that a life interruption? Yes. And then in Genesis chapter 17, Abram, he's 99 years old. And the Lord declares to Abram that his name is no longer Abram, but Abraham, for he will be the father of many nations. And then we skip to Genesis 20, 21, and Abram is 100 years old, and Sarah is 90, and she conceives Isaac. Mom, do you want to conceive a baby? (laughs) So there was a lot of interruptions. and, And I only read you a few. And there's a lot of details within all of those interruptions. And you can read those in Genesis. But I want to pick up here in Genesis 20, 22. It says, after all these things, 
After all these things that he had to walk through, it says that God tested Abraham. So when we, when we hear that word test, I don't know about you, but some people get a little twitchy when they hear the word test. And we can want to skip the testing part. And it, when it comes to being tested, we feel like God is angry with us. Or we are being punished. Or if we are being tested, somehow we're failing. Because we're walking through a period of testing. And you know, God is only testing Abraham because he wants to promote him. You know, our life is on an an incline. God wants us to go from glory to glory. He wants us to grow and mature He wants us to draw closer and closer to him. And so, you know, as good parents, we're really all about testing. You may not be thinking about it like I'm testing my children, but we're, we're kind of all about testing. We kind of do an internal test if they're ready for the next level of something. And even when you look at a baby, you know, when our child starts to grow, we're testing on whether they can handle a toy. What are they going to do with that toy? And so we, we have these internal testings to keep our children safe. Um, as, as they grow up into teenagers and they want a driver's license, there's some lessons, there's some training, and there's some testing. And that testing brings them to a place of promotion and finally they're given the keys and so there was some prep preparation involved in that testing there was some elevation in their life and and then they also get a revelation as a, a driver that you know all this hard work pays off and it, it unlocks for them a newfound freedom They get the keys to the car and they're able to drive off and a newfound freedom comes. Plus the reality and the responsibility of this vehicle, of their life, of other people's lives. So with testing, all of these things happens in our life too. And we would be unwise parents if we didn't do some testing. If we didn't make sure because we want to protect them. So there are spiritual seasons of testing. Now, everything that comes to our life, every interruption is not a test. But in this particular season, and in in Abraham's life, the Lord literally says that he is testing Abraham. So testing brings a revelation to the next season we walk in. For, for all those kids that are, are getting that driver's license, it brings a revelation uh, of many things. And for our lives, it brings us an ability for the next season, some spiritual growth, so we can handle the next season in a different way. I'm going to preface this by saying that God never um, puts sickness or disease on us to test us. God is a good, 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 good. And I could keep saying good. He's a good father, good heavenly father. And he came to give us life 
and life more abundantly. Amen? So we see here in Genesis 22, verse 1, Abraham going through this process of being tested. So Genesis 20, 20, sorry, Genesis 20, 22, verse 1 says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. And then verse 2, Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain. I will show you. So God said to Abraham, Sacrifice your only son. Now is God confused? No. But this wasn't Abraham's only son. But what God is referring to here in the Greek, it means your unique promise. So God's not interested in what you produce in your own strength, which is what God produced with his uh, wife's servant, and they produced a son, Ishmael. God was interested in his unique promise, the promise of Isaac. And so God asked him to lay his son down, go to the mountain, and I will show you. Now, there, oftentimes we want God to show us, and then we'll go to the mountain. But God said, go to the mountain, and I will show you. And in verse 3, early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood of burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. So now, early the next morning, Abraham gets up. I don't know about you, but when God has asked me for this child, and I'm 100 years old, and I have been believing for this child, and I finally have this child, I don't know if I would wake up early to take this child and sacrifice the child. But he got up early. You know, we have to ask ourselves questions as we read this. You know, how long would it have taken me to get going and take this unique promise that I was given and sacrifice and give it to the Lord? Now, when people climb mountains we have i live in milton and in milton we have a little little tiny mountain a little ski hill and if we were going to train to kind to climb mount kelso in milton i we wouldn't really need to do a whole lot of training to climb that mountain but if i was going to do some training if i was going to climb mount everest There would be a lot of training, a lot of preparation going into climbing Mount Everest. And when God asks us to come up a mountain, when God asks us to come up higher, the air gets thinner as you climb up Mount Everest. Our words get more measured. We choose what we want to say as we're climbing that mountain. And if you notice, he only took two servants. He didn't take 12. He only took two. Less people to communicate with. 
as you're climbing up that mountain. You know, what was okay at the bottom of the mountain changes as you climb that mountain. And a lot of people weighing in as you're climbing that mountain. Sometimes their conversations aren't really helping you get higher in God. And so you don't have the time to hear why they're dropping off the mountain. And you're wanting to climb the mountain. You don't want to hear so much about what people are falling off the mountain. In Genesis 22, verse 4 and 5, And on the third day Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. So he tells his servants to stay. And he, he and his son are going to go on. For the last leg of obedience, they're not going to talk me out of what God has told me to do. When I raise that knife, I don't want them to talk me out what God's told me to do. Abraham doesn't know what's going to happen, but he's trusting God. He's walked through a whole bunch of of situations, circumstances that's gotten him to this place where he is, he just knows his God in a deeper way. He knows he's come up higher each time he's walked through a valley. He's trusted God and got a deeper depth to him. So the higher Abraham climbs, his perspective starts to change. And what seemed impossible at the bottom, at the top, seems possible. As we go higher, our vision changes. In verse 6, Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he and himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place where God had taken them, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. And if you notice between the first here I am at the beginning of this chapter and at this point, here I am, there's silence. God doesn't speak. And oftentimes, we put our own interpretation on God's silence. Like he's left us. He doesn't care about me anymore. I've missed it. But most of the time, we just need to follow through with the last instructions that he led us. And this can be hard 
But this is where the word says to walk by faith and not by sight. And faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing the word. It builds up our faith to take these steps of faith. I remember a time when everything within me wanted out of a a job that I was in. Uh, It was difficult. I was not having a whole, it it was just not a good situation. There was verbal abuse going on, was not enjoying it at all, spent a lot of time crying on the way home. And I remember just desiring to get out of there. And and so I'd go and look for a job or I'd pull up Indeed to look for a job. And I'd feel this check on the inside of me, like this sandpaper, you know, uh, and I didn't understand why. I felt this check from the Lord to just stay. I didn't understand why. This was not fun. This was difficult. And, you know, you can feel like God is punishing you in that moment. But when we put our trust in him, now on the other side of that job, there's some stuff I got out of it. There was a greater revelation of God's grace. I stepped into a grace that I had never stepped into before. It didn't happen overnight. It took it took time, but I I stepped into a grace and you know the term like water off a duck's back. It was like the things that just caused me so much angst before, I would walk in and it would just Go right off me. I stepped into a grace I had never stepped into before, which is something for all of us. Amen. We can step into grace, which is God's ability for the season, the time, the moment that we're living in. But I stepped into a grace. But on the other side of that, there was a revelation of God's provision. God was working behind the scenes. I didn't see it. I didn't know it. But God was maneuvering something else for me that I would have never thought about. I would have never applied for. I would have never done it. But God was doing it. And God cares. God's no respecter of persons. If he did it for me, he will do it for you. Amen. So we'll look at verse 12. It says, do not lay a hand on that boy. He said, do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by the horns. And he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, he said, on the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. So Abraham started up this mountain. He humbled himself. He obeyed God. He brought his unique promise to lay before the Lord. And as he walked up through this test, he received a revelation of God's provision. There's no way you could ever take that away from him. He knew God would provide. 
because he walked it out and he received a revelation of God's provision. So the tests will open a door of greater understanding, a greater understanding of God and who he is and who we need him to be in that moment. Now I want to go to another story in the Bible. Where this man didn't respond as quickly or as humbly as Abraham. And you might be able to relate to him a little bit more. You might not be where Abraham is in that moment. And with what you're going through in life right now. But in 2 Kings. um, I'm just going to give you a little background before we start reading this. But in 2 Kings there's a, a man named Nahum. And he's a commander of the army of King Aram. He's a great man um, in the sight of his master. He's highly regarded, and the Lord has given victory to him. He's a valiant soldier, but he has leprosy. So he's a commander. And in his home, uh, they have a servant girl, and the servant girl speaks to Nam's wife, And he says, if only the master could see the prophet in Samaria, he could be cured of this leprosy. So Nahum's wife tells tells him about this prophet. And and then Nahum goes to his master and says what the daughter has said. And he said, fine, I'll write a letter and you go see this man. So the letter gets sent to the king of Israel. And with this letter, he says, I'm sending my servant Nahum so that you may cure him of his leprosy. So the king of Israel reads the letter and then he tears his robes and he says, am I God? Can I kill and can I bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of leprosy? We're going to pick up in verse 8, 2 Kings 5 verse 8. When Elijah... The man of God heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes. He sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Nahum went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, go wash yourself seven times in Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. Nahum went away, Naaman, sorry, Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. And not send me to these two rivers in Damascus, Damascus, but better all, aren't there other better waters in Israel? Could I not wash in them and be cleansed? And he turned and went off in rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something, to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored He became clean like that of a young boy. 
So this story stuck out to me as kind of being the opposite uh, than Abraham's story. A story that maybe you can relate to. Um, Naaman, he goes uh, to Elijah's house to get healed. He stops at the door and Elijah sends out his messenger. He doesn't even come out to see him. So right off the bat, Naaman has the opportunity to be offended. You know, you can walk in church and right off the bat, you can have the opportunity to be offended. And and being offended gets our eyes fixed on a situation rather than the moment we get ourselves stuck in something that we really don't want to be in. You know, we can be offended. We we thought someone should say hi to us. We Didn't they see us? How come they didn't say anything? It, it's easy to slide into offense. And you should know yourself. Do I slide into offense easy? And then we work on that. And we try to overcome that with the word of God. Amen? But it's easy sometimes to just step into offense. You can... You can stay in that area of offense and it keeps you from receiving something God has for you. So, Elisha didn't come out to speak to Naaman. He sent his servant. And you know, you can also think, don't you know who I am? I am the commander of an army. Why are you sending out your servant to speak to me? Why don't you come out yourself and talk to me. So the opportunity for him to be offended. And then he tells him to go wash seven times. In, uh, and so he gets angry. And f- first of all he gets angry. He said couldn't you just wave your hand. I thought. God I thought you should do it this way in my life. I thought you should fix the situation this way. You can tell God. God you could do it this way. You know, I thought I'd just wave his hand and I would be healed. So he's angry about that. And then he's bothered by the water that he's told him to go dip in. So there's multiple layers here that he is getting bothered. But he, in, in all of his anger, in all of his offense, in all of his being bothered, he misses the very statement that your flesh will be restored. And so he turns away in rage. But thank God that someone wise around him. We need wise people around us. We need good friends around us. Just encouraged him to humble himself and follow the instructions. All you need to do is go wash and be cleansed. And your flesh will be restored. It says that his flesh was restored and became clean like a young boy. So we have opportunities. You know, these two situations, they walked out their situations differently. They were probably at two different places in life. But see, the thing about it is God's grace, God's mercy, thank God for his grace and mercy. He will provide it in however we begin to walk it out. As long as we walk it out, 
As long as we step in and choose to continue to walk out the path. You know, we can have daily opportunities to miss it. Miss the goodness of God. Miss the answer to prayer. Because we're busy wanting it our way. Or we're busy tripping over offense. So we have daily interruptions in our lives. But they're really good opportunities for us to grow in character. Grow in Christ-likeness. I thought Naaman is kind of where we start out. And Abraham is where we want to get to in that situation. And how we want to walk things out. In 1 Peter 5, verse 5 and 6, it says, God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time. So Abraham received God's provision, a ram, a revelation that God will provide, and Naaman story was a little different but he humbled himself he dipped himself seven times and was made whole our stories can look completely different than other people's stories and that's okay god's got a plan god's got a purpose so if you're feeling like you're going through some major interruptions. No, God's grace, God's provision, God's help, God's mercy is right there for the situation that you're facing, the interruption that might be happening in your life. Or you may be not feeling like you're going through anything at this time. Then be a friend like Naaman's friend. Encourage someone else to stick close to God and follow his instructions. You know, I'd rather be that kind of friend than like Lot's wife. When Job was going through a situation, she says, curse God and die. Be a friend who's going to encourage people to step in and step higher and go deeper in God. Amen. So as we stay close to God, he will guide us into a deeper relationship of who he is. And, and like when we receive those revelations, if you, if you remember the story of Daniel, when he went against the giant, he had a revelation of who God was, who God is. That revelation empowered him to action. God wants to give us revelation to empower us for action. Amen? Action in our own lives. Action to step out and reach more people. He wants to give us a revelation for action in our lives. And in Ephesians 1 verse 15, there's a wonderful prayer there. But that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of heaven. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened. When the eyes of our heart are enlightened, we're informed, we're aware, we're educated for the moment, educated for the next season to step into with a greater revelation for action. Amen? So let's just pray.
Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your goodness today. We thank you, Father, that when life's interruptions come, and they inevitably do, that, Father, we would be so aware, Lord Jesus, that if anyone's going through a situation right now, that they would be aware of your presence, aware that you will never leave them, that you will never forsake them, that you are right by their side, that they can look to you, they can lean upon you, they can trust in you, even if they feel that they're not hearing anything like Abraham did, that God, you haven't left them, that God, you are working on their behalf, that Father, you have ordered their steps. Father, I thank you that you encourage your people this morning in life's interruptions or life's maybe even tests that God, you are taking us higher. Your provision is there for each step of the way. You are a source and you have all that we need, all the provision that we need for the time and the season that we're walking through. Father, we just thank you for your spirit that leads us and guides us into all truth. Help us to see the revelation, the truth of your word in the season that we're walking through. (laughs) Praise God, we can look to you. We can expect to receive a relationship from, sorry, revelation from you that causes us to walk out in action, to walk it out in faith. And so, Father, I thank you for your people here this morning. I thank you, Father, that you minister to them by your spirit all week long, that they would remind, be reminded to step out of offense. Those things that might be plaguing them when they lay their head down on their pillow at night and they're replaying it over and over and over again and it becomes like a foothold in their life. Father, I declare they're free in the name of Jesus and that they that you give them your beloved sweet sleep that they can let it go, Father. Let that situation go and just just like water off a duck's back, Father. And then they can step forward into the newness, into the answers, into the victory that you have provided for them. We pray it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Praise God. Well, bless you all. It was wonderful to be with you. And I I look forward to the next time. Have a great week. Beautiful. Thank you so much just for sharing your heart and uh, word with us this morning, Pastor Sherry. It is beautiful always. I mean, family for sure here at the City Church in all sense of the word, but thankful just for how you always consistently show up and share the word with us. Come on, one more time. Can we just say thank you and honor Pastor Sherry this morning? Beautiful.
Just want to remind you of a couple of instructions before I dismiss this morning. Uh, this morning, if you were hoping for someone to pray with you or for you, maybe you have some questions about what it looks like to follow Jesus, uh, right after the service is dismissed, some of our leaders are going to be up here at the front of the stage. They'll be more than happy just to answer some questions, lead you in prayer, or pray with you this morning. Um, it is a summer Sunday, and like always, we have some sweet treats here to enjoy together. And so this weekend's uh, sweet treat are ice cream sandwiches. Come on, somebody. Nothing like a good old ice cream sandwich to enjoy together. I'm going to invite you to stand with us to get ready to go here. Are you thankful you came to church on a summer Sunday in July? Beautiful. Thank you so much for being with us. Going to encourage you as you go. Like Pastor Sherry said, as you go this week, don't be too busy that you would miss out on the goodness of God. Uh, praying for you as you head into your week. Enjoy time in the lobby eating an ice cream sandwich. We'll see you next week at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We love you.